Book Four, Chapters Thirty Seven to Forty of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobera. Translated by Robert Southey. Book Four, Chapter Thirty Seven. How King Lisuarte assembled all the kings and chiefs and knights in the monastery of Lobena and told them the services which he had received from Amadis of Gaul, and the guerdon which he gave him. When King Lisuarte had left his bed, and was sufficiently recovered, and all the other wounded knights had been healed by the skill of that great master Helisabad, the king, on a day, summoned all the kings and chiefs of both armies to the church of the monastery, and addressed them in this manner. "'Honourable kings, and renowned knights,' I need not call to your remembrance the things which have now befallen us, for you also were present, and if an end had not been found to them, we also, who are living, should have been among the dead. Leaving this then apart, and knowing the great evil to the service of God and to our own person and kingdom, if they had gone on, I have detained the noble King Perion of Gaul and all the princes and knights of his army, that I may speak in their presence and in yours." Then, turning to Amadis, he said, "'Brave Sir Amadis of Gaul, it is not my custom to praise a man in his presence, nor is it your inclination to be praised, but I must call to the remembrance of these knights all that hath passed between you and me, since you first abode at my court as the knight of Queen Brasina, my wife. These things were notorious to all, but they must see that I also acknowledge them.' and that there is a good cause for the garden which I design to bestow. After you had defeated Dardan the Proud in my presence, and given me your brother Don Galaor to be my knight, which was the best gift that ever yet was made to any king, I and my daughter Oriana were entrapped by the wicked enchanter Archelaus, and led away without any means of defence, for my knights were all withheld by the word which I had given, so that she and I were in danger of death, or cruel prison, and my kingdom in hazard of being lost. Then did you and Galaor, returning from adventure on which the queen had sent you, put your lives upon the chance to help us, and we were both rescued, and our enemies slain or put to flight, and immediately after the queen my wife was succoured by you, and Barsinan, the father of this lord of Sansuena, defeated, who besieged her in our city of London, so that as with great treachery and imminent danger I had been taken, I was by you with honour saved to the safety of my kingdom. Again, when the battle of the hundred knights on each side was appointed between me and King Kildadan, who is here present, before the day arrived you rid me of the enmity of this knight Don Quaragante, and slew Famongo Madan and Basagante, the fiercest giant of all the islands in the sea and rescued my daughter Leonoreta with all her ladies and ten of my bravest knights, when all my power could not have saved them. In the battle, such were the giants and knights whom King Kildadan brought against me, that I could not have won the victory but for you, who slew with one blow the brave Sardaman the lion, and with another delivered me from Madan Fabul of the Vermilion Tower, who had disabled me and plucked me from the saddle, to carry me on board his ship. You then conquered that most valiant and renowned Ardan Canilio the Terrible, 
to the great honour of my court, for nowhere else could be found one, nor two, nor three, nor four knights who dared meet him in the lists. All this, it may be said, you were bound to perform, being in my service, and for your honour. I will therefore relate what you have done, since, by my fault, who gave ear to evil counsellors, rather than by yours, you left my house like an enemy. At that time, when we were at the greatest enmity, you and the king your father, and Don Florestan your brother, came to my help when King Aravigo, with the six knights, and so great a power, was come up against me, and chiefly by the power of ye three, though I had many good knights on my part, I obtained such victory as secured my person and kingdom in greater honour than before, though reasonably then because of our quarrel you might have fought against me. And now at the end I know that after the second battle it was you who held back, whereby I and mine were saved from the danger in which we stood, as they all knew. Of the last danger I need not speak, for the blood of our wounds is yet flowing, and the souls which we there let loose have not yet had time to find a resting place. Now then, sirs, what guerdon can be equal to such services? None but this, that reserving all my honour so long as I shall live, my kingdoms, which have so often been protected by his hand, should be given him in marriage with my daughter Oriana, and that as without my knowledge they are already joined in marriage by their own consent, so now that I do know it, I acknowledge them as my children, and the successors of my kingdom. When Amadis heard the consent which the king had thus publicly given to his marriage, he knelt before him, and perforce kissed his hand, saying, all that you have said in my praise, sir, might well have been excused, for considering the honours and favours which I and my lineage have received from you, we were bound to these and far greater services. For this, therefore, sir, I will return you no thanks. But for the last favour, not the inheritance of your kingdom, but for the gift of your daughter Oriana, I will serve you while I live with more obedience and affection than ever son served his father." or vassal his lord. At that, King Lisuarte right lovingly embraced him, and replied, And you also shall find in me the same love as in the father that begot you. All they who were present marvelled greatly that the king had so entirely laid aside his former enmity. Whether or no they were pleased, I may be excused from saying. And they asked one of the other, what the king might mean by saying that Amadis and the princess were already joined in marriage, as from the time she had been taken on the sea by him they had perceived no such thing, and far less before. But then the king called upon the holy man Nasciano to relate all, that they might know with what justice Amadis had rescued her from the Romans, and also that the king was without fault in delivering her up to the emperor, being ignorant of her marriage and that if Oriana had then plighted herself without her father's knowledge, great cause and reason was there that she should so do. The good man then related it over as he had done to Lisuarte in the tent. But when child Esplandian heard who were his parents, it need not be asked if he were pleased or not. The hermit knelt with him before both the kings and before his father, and made him kiss their hands, 
and they gave him their blessing. Then Amadis said to King Lisuarte, Sir, as from henceforward it will be my pleasure to do your service, so am I now constrained to ask favours of you. And the first is that you would be pleased to give your daughter Leonoreta to the Emperor of Rome to wife, and to beseech him to accept her, that we may be both your sons. The king thought it well to accept this alliance with Arquisil, and promised him his daughter, whom he was well contented to receive. King Lisuarte then asked King Perion if he had any news of Galaor, and King Perion told him how Gandalin had brought tidings that he was somewhat better. "'I tell you,' quoth Lisuarte, "'that though he is your son, I do not love him less than as a son. If it had not been for these differences, I would have gone to see him in his sickness.' I beseech you send for him, if he be in a state to come. I must go forthwith to Windsor, where I have ordered the Queen to meet me, and for the honour of Amadis, I and the Queen, and my daughter Leonoreta, will join you in the firm island, to be present at his marriage, and at the Emperor's, and we will see the wonders which Apolidon left there, and greatly would it please me if Don Galaor should be there, for I have long desired to see him." Agraeus then besought the king to send for his uncle Don Galvanes and Marasima, and bring them in his company. This the king promised, and said that he would depart on the morrow, and return as speedily as might be, that all the knights and their people might return to their own countries, and it was determined that all the fleets should be made ready in the haven of the firm island, that they might depart from thence. Chapter 38 how King Lisuarte went to Windsor, and how he and Queen Brasina and their daughter resolved to go to the firm island. Lisuarte took with him King Kildadan and King Gasquilan and all his people, and in five days arrived at his town of Windsor, being more cheerful in semblance than in heart, for though he well knew that both his daughters were now honourable disposed, yet it was after he had been conquered, and the glory all appertained to Amadis but he was now advanced in years, and grieved to behold so much slaughter, and as he had heretofore regarded so inordinately the glories of the world, that he had forgotten the state of his own soul, so now he felt that God had justly thus chastised him. He took Esplandian by the hand, and led him to the queen, who had already learned all that had passed from Brandoyas. When he entered, the queen knelt to him, and would have kissed his hand, but he drew her toward him, and embraced her lovingly as one whom he loved with his whole heart. And while the other dames and damsels kissed the king's hand, Brasina took Childus Plandian, who was kneeling before her, in her arms, and kissed him oftentimes, and said, O oh, my fair and fortunate child, blessed be the hour in which thou wast born, and the blessing of God and my blessing be upon thee. The king of Sweden and King Kildaran then came and saluted her, and she courteously, as was her manner, welcomed them, and the other knights. By this it was supper-time, and the two kings and many other knights sat at table with the king, where they were plentifully served with various meats, as was the custom, and beseemed the board of such a man. After they had supped, King Lisuarte gave order that these knights should be lodged in the palace, and he and the queen retired to their chamber, and when they were in bed, the king said, Dame, if peradventure you marvelled at what you have heard concerning your daughter Oriana and Amadis of Gaul, so also did I, for certes any such thought was far from us. I am only grieved that we knew it not, 
for then all these deaths and losses might have been spared. But now that it is come to our knowledge, there is no remedy but that Oriana should remain with the husband whom she has chosen, and, setting aside all animosity, to acknowledge the truth, there is no emperor or prince this day in the world who can equal him. And Leonoreta will be empress of Rome. You must therefore get ready, for I freely promised Amadis to do him honour that we would go to him in the firm island, and there you must put on a cheerful countenance and forbear to speak of what has passed. The queen then kissed his hand, because he had thus controlled the pride and anger of his heart, and told him she would obey, and that since he had two such sons, he should give thanks to God, notwithstanding the manner had not been according to his own will. So, on the morrow, they gave order for their departure. CHAPTER Thirty Nine, How King Perion and his troops returned to the firm island, and of what they did before King Lisuarte arrived. The history saith that King Perion and his companions returned in good array, as they had come. The emperor always lodged in the same tent with Amadis, and slept in the same bed, and all his people and tents and accoutrements were under the care of Brandohal of the Rock, as his high steward, as he had been to the emperor Patin. When they arrived at the firm island, they found Oriana and all her company in the garden, so fair and so richly attired that it was a wonder to behold and you would have thought that they did not look like earthly persons, but as if God had made them in heaven and sent them there. The joy that they then had to see themselves met together again in safety, and being now certain of peace, cannot in any manner be expressed. King Perion went first, and they whom it behoved humbly saluted him, and the others kissed his hand. Amadis led the emperor to Oriana. Agrayes and Florestan and Quadragante and Don Brian of Monjaste went to Queen Sardamira, and Olinda, and Gracinda, Don Bruneo to his beloved Lady Melicia, and the other knights to the other princes and damsels. Then Amadis took Gastiles, the nephew of the Greek emperor, and Grasandor, the son of the king of Bohemia, and led them to his cousin Mabilia, and said, My good lady, take these princes and honour them. And she with that took them by the hand, and seated herself between them. At this was Grasandor greatly pleased, for, as we have told you, on the first day that he saw her his heart was disposed to her love. Thus were all the knights conversing with the damsels as it pleased them, except Amadis, who greatly desired to speak with Oriana and could not, by reason of the emperor. So he took Queen Briolania by the hand and led her towards him, and said to him, "'Sir, speak to this lady, and keep her company.' The emperor then looked round, for till now he had not taken his eyes from Oriana, and when he saw the queen how fair she was, and also those other ladies, how excellent above all others that ever he had seen, he said to Amadis, "'Truly, sir, I believe that these ladies were not born into the world like other women, but that the wise Apollon made them by his great art, and left them here in this island, where you found them.' I cannot think but that either they or I must be enchanted, for if you should seek such another company in the whole world, it could not be found. Amadis at this embraced him laughingly, and asked him if he had seen no such company in any court. Certes, he replied, neither have I, nor has any other one, except it were in the court of heaven. At this time King Perion, who had been talking with the fair Grisinda, 
came up, and taking Queen Briolania by the hand, said to the Emperor, "'Good sir, if it please you, let you and I be with this fair Queen, and Amadis talk with Oriana, which I believe will be greatly to his pleasure.' So Amadis then full joyfully went to his lady, and seating himself with her apart, said, O oh, lady, with what services can I requite you, that by your consent our loves are now made known? Oriana answered, It is now, sir, no longer time that you should proffer such courtesies, or that I should receive them. I am now to follow and observe your will, with that obedience which wife owes to husband, and henceforward I desire to know the great love which you bear me, only by being treated by you, my lord, as reason requires, and no otherwise. Of this, then, no more. How is my father, and how does he brook all this? Your father, replied Amadis, hath a great heart, and though in secret he may feel otherwise, he appears well satisfied. You know he is to come hither with the queen and your sister. Oriana answered, I cannot tell you the pleasure which my heart feels, and may it please God that all may be fulfilled as it has been agreed for you may well believe, my lord, that next to yourself there is no other person whom I love so well as him, notwithstanding his cruelty. But tell me, what think you of Esplandian? Esplandian, replied Amadis, in his manners and appearance is your son, and more cannot be said. I wished that the holy man Nasciano might have brought him hither, for he will soon be here, not choosing to come in so great a company, the king your father desired he might be left with the queen, and said that they would bring him with them. Thus they remained talking of many things, till it was the hour of supper. Then King Perion rose, and took the emperor by the hand, and they went to Oriana, and said, Lady, it is time that we should retire. She bade them do as it pleased them, so they all departed, and Oriana and her company remained wonderfully happy. That night, all these knights supped in the lodgings of King Perion, and when they had supped, the joculars came in, and made all manner of sports for them, till it was time to sleep. And then they all retired, except Amadis, with whom the king his father would speak. So when they twain were together in the king's chamber, Perion said, "'Beloved son, since this danger is so happily over, it now remains that as you have shown yourself diligent in procuring the help of all these honourable knights, so you should now display your sense of their services. And as you have now a wife, procure wives for them also, that they may partake the same happiness as they have partaken the same perils. For this end I leave my daughter Melissia at your disposal, that you may give her conformably to her virtue and great beauty." the same you may do with your cousin Mabilia, and I well know that Queen Briolania will follow no will but yours. With these there is your friend Gracinda and Queen Sardamira, for the Emperor is here who may command them if they choose to marry in this land, for there is no lack of knights, their equals in lineage and lordship. But remember that our brethren are now disposed to wife, that they may leave a generation to keep up the life and remembrance of their name." Let this be done soon, for good works lose their worth by delay. On the morrow Amadis assembled all the knights, and said to them, Good sirs, reasonable it is, that after the great perils you have undergone, and the great renown which you have won, you should now take your rest. 
it hath pleased God that by your help I have obtained what I most desired in this world, and so I would that you should obtain what you desire, if it be any way in my power. Therefore, sirs, do not hesitate to tell me your loves and wishes, if there be any of these ladies here whom you would have to wife, for as for their cause you have endured so many wounds and dangers, it is reasonable now that you should enjoy the lordships which they possess. For this they all thanked Amadis, and without delay Agrayes said he would take his Lady Olinda. Don Bruneo of Bonamar said, Amadis knew all his hopes were in Melicia. Grassandor said that he had never surrendered his heart to any woman except the Princess Mabilia, and that he loved her and desired her for his wife. Good sir, quoth Don Quadragante, time and youth have hitherto prevented me from repose, and from any other care than from my horse and arms, but now reason and age invite me to another manner of life. If it please Grasinda to marry in this land, I will take her to wife. Then Florestan spake. It was my desire, quoth he, when these wars were over, to go into Germany, whereof on my mother's side I am a native, and see all my kinsmen there, whom I should now scarcely know. Yet, if I can win the good will of Queen Sardamira, I may change my purpose. The other knights replied that their hearts were free, and that being young men they had not yet acquired enough honour. They therefore besought Amadis to divide the conquests among the good knights who were now about to enjoy a life of more repose, and let them go seek adventures. Amadis then made answer, I trust in God, sirs, that what ye thus determine is for his service, and will have his blessing. I will therefore thus allot the conquests. You, Don Quadragante, who are son and brother to a king, and have no lands equal to your birth and deserts, shall have the lordship of Sansuena. And you, my good sir, Don Bruneo of Bonamar, shall have the kingdom of King Aravigo with my sister Melicia, and the lands of the Marquis your father may then devolve to Branfil. Don Florestan, my brother, shall have the queen whom he desires, and besides her island of Sardinia, the emperor will, at my request, give you the lordship of Calabria, which was Salustanquidio's. You, sirs, Agrayes and Grasandor, will content yourselves for the present with those great kingdoms which you will inherit, and I with this little corner, the firm island, till it shall please God to give us more. At this they were all well pleased, and because to relate all that passed with respect to their marriages with these ladies would be great prolixity, you shall only know that as the knights had said, so said they also. The emperor granted to Don Florestan what Amadis asked, and they were all espoused by the holy man Nasciano. But their nuptials were to be celebrated on the same day with those of Amadis and the emperor. Chapter 40 How Don Bruneo of Bonamar and Angriotto of Estravaus and Branfil went to Gaul for Queen Elisina and Don Galaor, and of the adventures which befell them on their return. Amadis said to King Perion his father, Sir, it would be well that you should send for my lady the queen, and for Don Galaor my brother, for whom I have reserved Queen Briolania, with whom he will be happy. King Perion replied, I will write to the queen, and do you send whom you please with the letters. At that uprose Don Bruneo, and said, I will undertake this voyage with my brother Branfil, if it please you. But then Angriotto of Estrevaus cried, You shall not go without me. 
then said King Perion, I consent that Angriotte and Branfil should go, but not you, Don Bruneo, for he would not be your friend who should separate you from your mistress. Don Bruneo smiled and answered, Though this, sir, uh, is the greatest of all the favours I have received from you, yet will I go to serve the Queen my lady, for from thence will come satisfaction to all others. Be it so, then, quoth the king, and would to God, my good friend, that you may find your brother Don Galaor able to travel. Sir, cried Isanjo, he is well. There came some merchants here from Gaul on their way to Great Britain, being afraid of the war, and I asked them for Don Galaor. They told me that he had left his bed and was able to go about, though still weak. On the following day these three knights embarked, and setting sail with wind at will, in short time they reached Gaul where they were honourably welcomed by the queen. But for Don Galaor, I tell you, so great was his pleasure when he saw them, that weak as he was, he ran to embrace them, and the tears came into his eyes, and he said, O oh, sirs, and my great friends, when will it please God that I shall go again in your company and bear arms once more? Be not grieved, sir, quoth Angriotte, God will fulfil your desire. But hear now the tidings of great joy which we bring." Then they related to the queen and to him all that had befallen from the beginning, which when Don Galaor heard, he was much disturbed, and said, Holy Mary, has King Lisuarte endured all this, and I not with him in the battle? Now, indeed, may I say that God in his signal mercy sent me this malady, for such as else I must have adventured myself to death in his service, though the king my father and my brethren were on the other side. Truly, if I had known this in my weakness, I should have died for grief. Don Bruneo replied, It is better as it is, and more to the honour of all, that peace is made, as you will see, and you have gained fair Queen Briolania for your wife, who is now with Amadis. Then they gave the letter to the Queen, which was the desire that she would come to join Queen Brisina and Oriana and all the great ladies, and be present at the nuptials. When the queen had read this, being a noble lady, and one who dearly loved her husband and her children, she blessed God for what had happened, and said, My son Don Galaor, look at this letter, and take courage, and go see thy father and brethren, and there you will find King Lisuarte with more honour to your lineage than he desired. Queen Elisina now gave order to prepare ships for her voyage. Eight days the knights abode with her, and then they all put to sea. So as they went along with fair weather, on the third day they saw a ship coming up at night with sails and oars, and they sent one of Don Galaor's squires in a boat to know who was there. They answered him courteously that it was a dame going in great haste to the firm island. "'Tell her, then,' quoth the squire, "'that this fleet is bound thither, and that she need not fear to join it, for it carries such persons that she may well rejoice to go in their company.' When the dame heard this, she put out a boat also, and sent a knight to know if this were indeed true. He came up to the ship and said, Sirs, by the faith you owe to God, tell me if the dame in yonder vessel may come up to you safely. She is going to the firm island, whither the squire hath said you also are bound. Angriotta answered, The squire said true, and the dame may come safely. Not only shall she receive no harm, but she shall be aided against any who would wrong her. God be praised, quoth the knight. I beseech you, tarry for her. You are knights, and will have great sorrow to hear what hath befallen her. Hearing this, 
that other ship made up to the queen's vessel which seemed the richest in its appearance and a dame came forth covered with a black mantle from head to foot and asked who went in that ship angriotte answered it was the queen of gaul going to the firm island sir knight said she i beseech you by the virtue to which you are bound devise how i may speak with her that may presently be done replied angriotte come on board she is a lady who will willingly speak with you as she does with all who require it when the dame was before queen elicina she courteously welcomed her and asked who she was at that she began to weep and said i was the wife of the king of dacia and in his company was i a happy queen by him i had two sons and a daughter the daughter who was begotten for our evil fortune we gave in marriage to the duke of suecia a great lordship which borders upon our country now the duke being a young man and covetous of dominion thought that as the king my husband was in years and our sons but boys the eldest not passing fourteen years he might kill the king and seize them and thus obtain the kingdom in his wife's right and as he thought so did he for coming under pretext of a visit to our court and with a large train as if to do us honour the king my husband went out joyfully to meet him and that traitor slew him with his own hand it pleased god to save the boys for they were behind upon their palfreys and turned round and galloped into the city and the greater part of their knights with them and there are they now besieged at this season i was gone upon a pilgrimage to a very ancient church of our lady which stands upon a rock half a league out at sea there was i informed of their unhappy fortune and having none other remedy i resolved to go to the firm island to a knight called amadis who is there with many other knights of great renown and beseech them to have pity upon those young princes and not suffer them to be so wickedly slain for if there were but some to encourage and lead the people that traitor would not dare continue there when queen elicina heard this she took her hand and made her sit beside her and besought her pardon that she had not at first honoured her according to her deserts since god hath brought you here said she you shall go in my company to the firm island and there you will find succour as all have found it who are in need i have heard replied the queen of dacia how amadis rescued the daughter of king lisuarte when her father had disinherited her for the sake of a younger daughter and delivered her up to the emperor of rome against her will and this made me seek that blessed knight who is the helper of all that are oppressed but then angriotte and his companions knelt down and besought queen elicina that they might go and revenge the great treason for they were now so near the firm island that they might safely depart this they obtained and taking with them the queen of dacia who would needs go herself with them saying that her presence would be of great avail they parted company from queen elicina queen elicina and don galaor proceeded and arrived safely at the firm island when their coming was known the king her husband and his sons and the emperor took horse and went with all the other knights to receive her oriana also would have gone with all her company but the king sent to request her not to take that trouble saying that he would presently bring the queen to her after amadis had kissed his mother's hand he embraced don galaor and asked him how he fared better quoth galaor and better i shall be since the quarrels between you and king lisuarte are at an end so they proceeded toward the garden and there oriana was ready with the queen and all her company in rich attire to receive her when she went in 
Oriana and the Queen Sardamira and Briolania, hand in hand, knelt down to her, with that obedience which they owed to their true mother, and the Queen embraced them, and kissed them, and raised them up. Then came up Mabilia, and Melissia, and Grasinda, and all the other ladies, and kissed her hand, and led her to her apartment. When Don Galaor appeared, I cannot tell you the love which Oriana showed him, for, except Amadis, there was no knight in the world whom she loved so well, both for his brother's sake, and because her father Lisuarte so truly loved him, and he had served the king so faithfully. Amadis took Queen Briolania by the hand, and said to him, Sir brother, I trust to you this fair queen, whom you have seen heretofore. Don Galor, without delay, received her, as one no ways abashed at seeing women. Sir, quoth he, I hold it a great favour in you that you give her to me, and in her that she will accept me as her own. The queen said nothing, but her face coloured and became more beautiful. Galor had not seen her since she went to Lisuarte's court to look for Amadis, when she was very young, but now she was in the perfection of her age and beauty, and so fair did she appear to him, that though he had seen and toyed with many women, yet his heart was never surrendered in pure true love to any but this fair queen. And she on her part, knowing how excellent a knight he was, transferred to him all the great affection she had once felt for his brother Amadis, so that they lived ever after the happiest and most honourable life that can be devised. When Queen Elisina had been thus received, and lodged with the other dames and damsels where only King Perion was permitted to enter, for so it was determined till King Lisuarte should arrive, and all the marriages be performed in his presence, the knights went to such pastimes as they liked best, especially those who affected the chase, for about a league from the island, on the firm land, there were the goodliest trees and thickets which, because the land was kept well, were all full of venison, and wild boars, and rabbits, and other wild beasts, whom they killed with dogs and nets, or from on horseback. For hawking also there were hares, and partridges, and waterfowl, so that it may be said that in that little corner were collected the flower of all the chivalry in the world, and all the beauty that could be found upon earth, and all fitting sports and pastimes whereof you have heard, as well as the natural ones, as what Apollodon had made by his enchantments. End of Book 4, Chapter 40